Hey, Janet. Hey, Kent. So two goldfish are in a tank. One turns to the other and says, Do you know how to drive this thing? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, there's that mental image. I love it. Welcome to Manny vs. Mommy. That's Ken Neil Hexum. And that's Janet Lee Barton. <laughs> how are you this morning? I'm tired. Spring forward. We've lost an hour. Yes. Plus, I was an adult last night and was out until like midnight. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Yeah, losing an hour is tough. I, I'm hopeful that they'll pass that bill about not doing daylight savings. Everyone hates it. Yeah. I mean, it, why? <sighs> not in today's society. We don't need that. Right. So, I've been trying not to drink caffeine between soda and coffee because it's probably not the greatest for someone with a family of heart disease issues. And it triggers your gout. And it triggers my gout. So I've got my brought to you by this week, which is meal water flavor enhancer, something or others. <laughs> Hang on while I look that up right quick. <laughs> well, I had it all up. Mio Fit Berry Blast Liquid Water Enhancer. <laughs> so it's got electrolytes and B vitamins and built into it. So I get some of that energy with the B vitamins. Yeah. So without doing energy drinks. Drink a gallon of water a day. That's my goal is a gallon of water, and it's really hard. That's a lot, yeah. In the summer, it's easy when it's warmer outside, but when it's cold, I don't really have motivation. My heart's always cold. <laughs> That's the truth right there. <laughs> uh, so my brought to you by this week, I am brought to you by back pain, unfortunately. Ugh. I'm getting farther along. I'm in my seventh month now, and my back is just not cooperating. I was showing you last night while we were out um, that when I would step down, sometimes you'd hear me. <laughs> it's like that shooting nerve pain. I feel so much empathy for people who have chronic back pain because at least I know this is temporary. You know, people yeah. that have chronic back pain, that, that could be the rest of their lives, managing that level of pain and discomfort. So that's been interesting. It's making it really hard to work and... Sit, you know, sitting at a desk, and I can't really stand for long periods of time either. It's just, it's getting hard to get comfortable. But I've been going to the chiropractor, which, you know, helps for a little bit, but overall it's just always there. It makes it really hard to walk, and sometimes I'm sitting even, and it just zaps me. <laughs> so I was bad when I had ankle and foot pain, but I couldn't imagine the back. Oh, it's like tough. ankle and foot, you just don't move your feet. But with the back, that's... I injured my, like yeah, you don't realize how much you use it until something's wrong with it. Yeah. The same thing happened with my rib. I injured a rib once, and I don't know if I... <laughs> you said I enjoyed a rib once. <laughs> Tell me about this dinner. <laughs> oh, we're switching to food now, okay. Uh, no, a rib um, was out of place or bruised. I don't think it was broken, but it was so painful. It only hurt when I breathed. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and good luck getting a deep breath and like trying to sleep at night. Oh, it was, it was probably the most intense pain I've ever had. And I've had babies without medication, <laughs> but that's not an abnormal pain. It's a body function. Yeah. You know, it's not the same as there being a broken bone or something. It's a different pain. Well, when I broke my elbow and it was pretty bad because I had to put metal pins in and I couldn't fully extend my arm for a long time. I don't remember 
hurting leg at all. I must have just gone into shock because it happened, and I was just like, yeah, okay. Plus, you're a kid. I mean, how much of that? I'm glad that didn't cement some terrifying memories for you. Yeah. Because then it probably you would probably remember a lot of pain, but well, I remember the pain afterwards. <laughs> having to go through uh, rehabilitation. All the all the physical therapy. Yeah. Yeah, that was very painful. But when it actually happened, it, like I was at my house on the trampoline, and my dad was in the garden. I was like, Dad, I hurt myself. And he's like, oh, you're fine. So I go inside, sure. down to my mom, who was working in her hair salon. And I think she was working on my grandma, my dad's mom, doing her hair. And I walk in, like, hey, this happened. And I don't, like, it, it feels weird. It felt kind of numb. I remember it feeling kind of numb. And my grandma looked at it, just from across the room, looked at me, and then went and yelled for my dad and was, like, taken to the hospital immediately. Hmm. So... It wasn't that traumatic of an experience until she, grandma was yelling and hospital. Wait, what happened? You know, wait, yeah. <laughs> wait, we're going to the hospital. This is a big deal. <laughs> Dang, I better catch up. <laughs> I should be freaking out right now. Yeah. Oh man. The shock is a good thing. It was so. I. Just, I mean, the whole event. I mean, that was kind of scary. But when I got to the hospital, everyone was calm and. Yeah. They just explained to me like, "Hey, we're gonna go operate on your arm, and you'll have a cast, and it's time to go to sleep." Just real simple. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean shock was a good thing. I realized after I said that, I was like, no, it's not. But, like, your brain went into protection. And that, yeah, in that instance, it was a good thing. Yeah. But, ugh. Luckily, I had someone who knew better. Because I would have just hung out, you know, with my arm, feeling numb. <laughs> As everything's dying in there. Yeah. <laughs> pinching things, nerves, and, ugh. you know, that Let's talk about something happier. Okay, let's talk about something happy. Do you want to talk about what we did last night? Yeah, yeah, let's start with that. So, a year ago, we'll go even further back, you and I had gone to Vegas to go see my favorite murder live, their podcast live. Which was so fun. And we saw on Facebook that some other local Utah people were down in Vegas for the show and someone wanted to do a meetup. And this was, you know, we've been in Vegas for a couple of days at this point. So I was tired. We were both tired. And kind of Very like, tired. Because it was just drinks after the show. Yeah. It was like meet up after the show, which the show didn't, I don't think, start until 8 or something. So it was a longer... It was like 9, 9.30. Yeah. And we just, neither of us was really feeling up to it. Yeah, I was so tired. <laughs> and both of us were like, no, let's just go. It was mostly... We'll go check like, it out. I don't want to walk all the way back to the car right now. All at once. So yeah. Let's just take it in steps. <laughs> yeah, we'll stop for a drink and then we'll finish our journey. <laughs> Out to the car in the parking garage. So while we were there, I mean, there's a few people that showed up, but we connected really well with Jody, her daughter, JC, and Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting because I remember kind of talking to Lindsay, but not really. Because she was kind of like going around making sure everyone else who had come felt welcomed and kind of talking with them. But we really connected quickly with Jody and JC. And then Lindsay, you know, would pop by and talk for a couple minutes and then go make sure everyone... Yeah. was having a good time. Yeah. I'm glad we did. They're forever friends now. Yeah. Which is super fun. Because so that that's comes... hard to find as an adult, I think. <laughs> that brings us to last night, which was our friend anniversary, And we went to the dinner detective in Salt Lake. Which was super fun. With Jody, Lindsay, and JC. It was so fun. I would definitely do it again. I thought it was very entertaining. I had a really good time. The actors were great. I felt like the flow was really good. The food was good. Mm-hmm. I thought I, I thought it was good. 
And we Good solved job. the mystery, but we, we didn't did. win the prize. We didn't win. We didn't have as much detail as someone else. <laughs> uh, did you see how much she had written? Yeah. Did you glance at her paper? Yeah, it was like I the did. whole paragraph was full. And she had like specifics, like this is the number matches this. And I actually wrote down the numbers and stuff, so mm. that's probably why. Yeah. Really, really specific. But it was a lot of fun to go hang out with adults. <laughs> Important to have adult time, that's for sure. So why is it hard for adults to make friends, do you think? For some adults to make friends? <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to time. I, You know, I just... To prioritize those relationships, I think, is difficult. But important. Because number one for me is that if I don't model good friendship for my kids... Who is? Who's teaching them about friendships and about enforcing boundaries in those friendships and friendships coming and going, right? Like yeah. a lot of, I've had friends that have been a really um, big part of my life and they've gone away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it ebbs and flows and you don't always have lifelong friends, <laughs> you know? I think they're important. I like that anchor. I have some lifelong friends um, but I, it teaches my kids that it's okay for friends to come and go. Life goes on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You change, they change, situations change, and, and you may not be connected anymore. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. You just don't see them like you used to, you know? I think there's a lot we can model as caregivers and parents for kids when it comes to friendship. And if we don't do it, where are they learning it? Yeah. From each other? Well, they don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good point. Either. Meaning yeah. we don't as well. Yeah. But at least we can model what we think should be good. Yeah. I think that's important. It's also nice to just get away from kids and school and, you know, there's a lot of melodrama that happens to kids when they're in school and they're caring about these things. And as adults, we don't care about the popularity contests. We don't care about you know, a lot of the things that they do. So it's good to be around other people that are like, you know, we're just Let's okay. talk about politics and religion. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, a great way to make friends. That brings up a good point because I don't remember what the conversation was last night, but you and Jody disagreed about something and it was like completely fine. Oh, it was childbirth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's we right. started talking about how she loved the medication. She made that joke about when should you get the epidural, Some, you know, sometime in the fifth month of pregnancy, <laughs> right? And so she's on the other end of the spectrum, and I'm like, that's fine if that's what works for you. That's not what I want, and I appreciate that, you know, she said, don't give me a hard time about it or something. I yeah. said, exactly. I just want the freedom to make my choice to be a hippy-dippy and have my babies at home, you know? And I'm not going to judge you. I used to be super judgmental when I first started learning about natural childbirth. Man, I was so judgy of the people that chose epidurals. Because, and honestly, I feel like a lot of women don't choose epidurals. They don't know they have options. Oh, yeah. Which is different, right? That's on the care provider to not, you know, let them know all of their options. But they're also not going to recommend their competition, which midwives are for doctors. So it's just kind of, you know, as long as a woman has a choice, as long as she's making an educated decision about what's best for her and her baby, great. I don't care if that's repeat c-section or hospital birth or home birth as long as everybody respects everybody and that's exactly what happened yeah yeah i just turned to her and i said you know absolutely i, I respect your wishes for the medication and i would hope that you would do the same for me in my home birth and that was that it was just is it's so nice that we can be friends 
and disagree on something and still get along. Yeah. And that's it's the crazy. fun part about Jody is her and I disagree about everything. A lot of things, oh, yes. Like, there's very few things that we would even kind of come close to a compromise together. But we have a lot of fun together because we just don't talk about the things we disagree about. Yeah. She's not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change her mind. We can joke about, you know, President Trump and stuff, but that's how it ends. We don't actually get into discussions. Yeah. And that's one of those boundaries that you were talking about. That's how we show kids boundaries. Not just yeah. physical, but even intellectual. Or You know, this is a place we can agree to disagree and not have it define our friendship. Right, and I think that's really hard for most adults to do, honestly. I think it's hard for all of us. But you can have a really fulfilling relationship with someone, even if you disagree on a lot of areas. I think you're, you're a great example of that. I don't think Jody and I disagree as much as you and <laughs> Jody do. <laughs> um, but I think part of the trouble, like you said, is, you know, how, how do you make time for it? How... Do you make friends as an adult? So I found um, an article from Oprah Magazine, actually. So this is going to be geared more is towards Is this women. Oprah and Gail's friendship secrets? <laughs> Not exactly. Okay. Um, but it's from March of 2019. It's by Michelle Derisaw. And uh, she just kind of talked about how easy it was to make friends back in the day. You know, when you were a kid, it was just no big deal. Didn't give much thought to, you know, chatting with friends anywhere. You, we have that happen with the girls all the time. They make new friends at every park, every McDonald's trip. He was not that kid. <laughs> yeah, Even so from a young you age, have a different perspective. So I wasn't, yeah. Like, if I don't know you, don't play around me or play by me. I don't want or you near you. me. Come on. <laughs> I don't want you anywhere near me. Um, but I think as an adult, you've learned how to create relationships from your introvert state yeah. because you are kind of an ambivert where you you've got some extroversion when it comes to ambient pervert, ambient pervert. <laughs> uh you've got some i don't know my natural inclination is to be an introvert but if i'm in a social situation i can be very social yes. and interactive yeah that it's you adapt really well but for a lot of us i think it's it's easy for socializing to get to the bottom of our priority list which happened to me, I kind of got into a lull. I used to be really social with a large group of friends, you know, lots of group activities and, um, you know, more private parties and things like that, just socializing with my group of friends who also wanted to get away from their kids and have some self-care, you know, adult time. And I have gotten away from that, and so that's become more of a priority for me recently is to get back into being social. Because I think that's one of the hardest things is just making it a priority. So how do you balance that, though, with... All the obligations you have. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know. If you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> I think just scheduling time. You know, making sure that there's time scheduled for what I need. I just... If people saw our Google Calendar, I think it'd freak them out a little bit. Most people. Because it just... It's got everything on it. And if it's not on the calendar, it can't happen. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Like, it needs to Did be on the calendar. you hear that, Anthony? If it's not on the calendar, it can't happen. Just saying. <laughs> And that goes for us, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it needs to be discussed ahead of time. We don't do the last-minute stuff because it throws off everybody's schedule. Um, but beyond, you know, even having, um, you know, a group of people or a select few that you can vent to, that you can talk to, that you can, you know, take a little girl's trip, she says, with. Um, but maintaining 
interpersonal relationships has a serious impact on your physical and mental health, obviously. And when you get down to the core of it, oh, and here's a picture in, in case you don't, I can't, we were talking about this before and you said, <laughs> oh, I immediately found a psychology today article oh, that right. counteracts everything you're going to say. Which we'll touch on on the end, yes. <laughs> but um, I said, hey, uh, you can't disagree with this. Look, it's got a picture of the Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can't win every argument just by showing me a picture of the Golden Girls. Uh, and I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was a 2010 report in the Journal of Health and Social Behavior that has strong ties, really um, strong connections between your immune system, um, social ties. So having social ties, having connection to community uh, really has an impact on your immune system and help you live a longer, more fulfilling life. And not only that, but they found that um, really developing those friendships decreases your risk of heart disease and high blood pressure, and it has an impact on reducing stress and chronic pain. Just having friendships, just being connected interpersonally to other people. What are your thoughts on that? No wonder you have a cold, dead heart. Yeah. Just kidding. Which is fine if that's your personality, but like I have no interest in going and finding new friends. At this period of my life, I I don't even want to talk to anyone in line at the grocery store. Like I'm good. And I think However, that's more of the you have close friends. I do have some close friends. Yeah. And that's all. It's, it doesn't mean that you're out making new friends all the time. It means you're just cultivating the relationships that you have. So it doesn't necessarily mean developing new ones, but maybe continuing to work on the relationships that you already have. Because I agree. I mean, you don't want to force an introvert out of their shell and make them all uncomfortable. I, I like there's a meme going around somewhere that talks about um, how... You know, introverts are always told to get out of their shell and, you know, go be more social. Where's all the stuff telling the extroverts to shut up and sit down? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was kind of the idea. And I thought, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing to be an introvert and to enjoy recharging your battery by being alone. That's who you are. So my article from Psychology Today is called Why We Don't Need Friends. It's by Daniel Markston, who has a PhD. And his point, I don't want to go too much into his article, but I liked his point of we're told, you know, human beings first needed to be social because they had to understand the world around them. They had to build a life. Right. And now that we're you know, past the point of needing to be social to build a life, to find out information, we can go online and Google anything and get information about anything, that we don't have to keep this social creatures of habit type of mindset. But for a lot of people, it doesn't work. And so then the guilt starts coming in on, why don't I want to interact more with people? Why don't I want to do this? I'm okay by myself. So arguing that if they're pushing themselves to do something that isn't really them, it could be worse for their mental health. That's really, bad, really damaging. Yeah, he's a psychologist for either two or some say a long time. <laughs> but he says he sees a lot of patients, and some of them are on the spectrum. And sure. some of them aren't on any spectrum or any diagnosis. But the anxiety that they create being told you're supposed to be a social creature and not wanting to be a social creature really conflicts with their identity. That makes sense. And I don't think there's any push for people to be more social than they want to be. I think, for me, it looks really different because I could be out being social every 
day. And, and be, sounds exhausting. Yeah, and be perfectly happy. You know what sounds exhausting to me? Being home for weeks without any contact with people. That See, sounds To me, horrible. that sounds like heaven. Like, right, no, that's really horrible. I, after I have a baby, it's hard to stay home. Because you really should, right? You should be home for at least a week. Preferably to like don't even leave the house. Don't leave the bed for three days. Don't leave the house for a week at least. Ten days if you can. And that's just not me. <laughs> I try really hard to stay down and I just can't. Especially socially. So, I don't know. I, I think you should do what's best for you. Absolutely. I see his point. And this, I really do. I really liked because he goes on to talk about how naturally friendships end. It's because I no longer need anything from you. You no longer need anything from me. Sure. So we part ways. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You know, some people get so sad and so hurt and offended sometimes that relationships aren't there anymore. And it's like, well, I mean, I get it. If it ends abruptly and there's some hurt feelings or a lot of confusion and no closure, that kind of thing. But to just naturally drift apart, you know, it, that's part of life. And the relationships that are important to you, you're going to continue to put in the effort because it does have that mutual benefit. But for an introvert, that's super hard because I opened up, I let you in. And that's why I don't want any more friends because I feel like I'll be invested in my life for life. And it's really hard when it's interesting the you friendships can't end. put that boundary in place for yourself and know that I can care for them without having to feel like I'm involved in their life forever. I don't know. It I'm seems to like think of a nice way to rephrase my <laughs> <laughs> what you're about so to bury me with. Palace when people aren't as invested in the same on the same level in a relationship as I am. So I have acquaintances and I know they're always gonna be acquaintances and I'm friendly and whatnot. But if I'm gonna actually have you as a friend, I want that to last a long time. Yeah. And if I'm gonna invest this time and energy and put myself out there, I want it to actually mean it's gonna be there. And we've talked about this on a previous episode. I know it's come up before because I think it is it's all relative, right? Like your perception of it is going to be different than other people's because of your past experiences, because of your personality makeup and all that kind of stuff. Because I can make a best friend in line at the bank. I mean, nobody does that, goes into the bank anymore, but you know what I mean. In line somewhere, I can make really good friends with somebody and we can connect in some way. And that feels like a real connection. It doesn't mean it's going to last and that's okay with me. But a connection not is okay different than... I disagree. It's relative, right? I mean, you have those deeper connections where I'm going to share something very vulnerable with you, right? And because I trust you, because we have this established relationship, I feel comfortable being this vulnerable. And to me, that vulnerability is not necessarily that high level that it used to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think we've gotten really off topic because we were talking about friends and a connection with an acquaintance is a completely different thing than a connection with a friend. Yeah, that's true. Developing and cultivating the relationship is very different. Yeah. Which I'm on the other end of, and it takes me more effort because I'm so extroverted and because I'm so social and just the way that my personality works, I have to put a lot of effort into maintaining those long-term relationships. It's a lot of conscious part. effort. <laughs> no, that's the conscious effort on my part. And for you... It takes a conscious effort on your part to make new friends. So let's talk about how we can do that. Did, did you have anything else you wanted no. to cover that he did? No. Okay. 
I do agree with what he's saying. And there's always going to be, I mean, it's multifaceted like anything in life. Um, but there's some, uh, tips that Oprah has in, well, that this woman has, I don't remember her name, um, Michelle. Uh, there's some tips that she has on how to make friends, um, you know, whether you're moving to a new city or you're just, you know, needing a change of scenery in your relationships. And keep in mind, it's always okay to end toxic relationships. Always. I don't care if it's with friends or family. Um, but here's some quick suggestions on making new friends. They recommended an app I've never heard of. Uh, it's a friend-finding app called Hey Vina, V-I-N-A. Um, so it's just friends nearby, mostly for female friends is what it's suggesting. You know, think of it as Tinder for female friends. Um, but you can kind of, it's the same idea, right? You can match with friends based on common interests and things like that. So good thing if you're relocating, especially some people join OkCupid, but that one's more directed towards dating specifically. And so finding friendship in that arena might be they have like a, friendship? a little more difficult. Second. I don't think they do. That's the thing. Oh, I see. And so you just have to kind of put it in your profile. Um, but Hey Vina uh, is mostly an empowering community for women, it says. So something to check out. You can also join local meetup groups. Playdates aren't reserved just for kids. <laughs> you know, you can have uh, a meetup opportunity. Um, that's a site where you can find different kind of groups. You know, if you like hiking, you can go hiking with them if you're into that sort of thing. You could go, you know, they like the same particular movies or, you know, there's all kinds of meetup groups out there. So you can find what you're into and you can host events too. Um, so you can do that through either an app or online. You can take adult classes. You can take, you know, whatever's in your area, cooking or baking or craft stuff. We've done paint nights and stuff. I mean, if you're out where people are, you're more likely to meet people, right? Yeah. But I like the idea even for an introvert to be able to sit behind their computer or tablet or phone and find people that they think they might have something in common with and engage in conversation and then take the step to, hey, let's meet up. Or you go to a group event through a meetup thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe you make a friend in that community and you both can go together, right? It's a little bit different than venturing out on your own. Um, but you can take any kind of like community college classes or self-improvement, cycling, whatever you're into. Um, and you can take your dog for a walk at a park nearby. Um, don't be the creep that's like hanging out without a dog at a park and just watching kids. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? But if you have pets or something, you can take it for a walk or you can just, you know, go for walks around the park. And then of course, using social media to your advantage when you're trying to connect with, um, new people or reconnect with people that you've, you know, been associated with in the past it can seem a little bit intimidating I think at first to figure out how to venture out in social media but I think once you start talking to somebody and you hit it off I don't know if you've ever had that happen on any kind of social media platform but there's people that I've met online you know like that but I also go back to pre-google so <laughs> see and I'm always about like this person's a catfish and fake so I am most of the time yeah well I came from the era of chat rooms you're probably too young to even remember using chat rooms Shady were they still a thing? Yeah. Kind was, of, yeah. They were kind of weird. Um, but you can start searching hashtags around your area, kind of using it like meetup, right? Where they might be, you know, hashtag cooking or hashtag cycling or whatever that you're interested in. And you can kind of follow those hashtag people. Netflixing with no ne chill. <laughs> Netflixing, yeah. No chill, just hanging out and uh, actually just vegging. <laughs> Netflix and pizza. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. 
Um, but that's just a, a few quick tips on making friends as adults. Because like I said, I, I think it comes down to making it a priority if it's something that's important to you. Like you said, so, maybe for you it's reconnecting with people you've been associated with in the past. No, if I'm not, if I'm not still <laughs> You're done. It's done. Yeah, it's over. You're cut off. So I wonder, just to finish up, what's your definition of friend? Because I think that's where we differ probably the most. To me, I mean, it can be a wide range. To me, it's a spectrum. Um, I can have a friend that I know casually that I see on occasion more like an acquaintance, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, true friendship is shared time together, shared interests. Like, I expect that if I call someone a friend, they're, I mean, I, it's varies. There's different levels, right? Because I have plenty of people right See, I have a very defined. <laughs> Let's hear yours then. So for me, you're an acquaintance until you become a friend. So if you're in my friend zone, if you're my friend, that means that I feel comfortable enough with you to open up and you feel comfortable enough with me to open up. Otherwise, it's just an acquaintance social relationship. So if there's no real deep opening and connecting and, you know, if, or if my friend's going through a tough time, she knows that she can call me and we can, I can help her through or just process through some stuff with her, that's what a friend would be. Yeah. I wouldn't do that with an acquaintance. And see, I do. And I think that's where there's our just So if that's your definition, that fits my definition sometimes the first time I meet someone. I feel comfortable opening up to you. You feel comfortable opening up to me. And we develop that level of vulnerability and connection sometimes the first time we meet. But also, it's going to be more than just, like, it's got to last. I have to see that there's a future in it. Sure. For them to be a friend. Otherwise, you're just an acquaintance. and It's fine to be an acquaintance. Like, I have no problem with that. Interesting. Yeah, it's just a different perspective. And I don't know if that comes from the extrovert-introvert thing or I don't know. I don't know what would drive that. But to me, I can make a friend immediately. And if it doesn't last more than a few meetings, that's okay with me. Where for you, it's not. And that's fine that we differ in that way. It just is a difference in how you connect with the world around you. It's not right or wrong. Well, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong. Exactly. Oh. Friendship. Go out, make a new friend. And, you know, it can start with something as simple as a compliment. I actually developed, a, I wouldn't say friendship, but I made a connection with someone because I hung up a poster for an event that I was producing called the Vagina Monologues. I, I think we talked about it. Maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice. Um, I can't, is it February yet? Because <laughs> I can't wait to do it again. Uh, but I met a friend because she approached me in the coffee shop where I hung up the poster. And that connection was made. And because of it, she was an incredible cast member in the show. And, you know, had she not taken the step to say something, hey, I saw the poster. I think it's super cool you guys are doing it. I already talked to my friend. We've got tickets. And I said, well, do you want a monologue? <laughs> we actually have one available that we need somebody to fill. And so she was a great part of the show. She's the one that did the sign language. Oh, it was absolutely incredible. So I think, um, you know, just talking to people. But introverts don't, really. So. But you identified her as a friend from that first meeting, like that first you're a friend? No, not that level of commitment and connection. 
But I would call her a friend, sure. Well, now you would because use... you've interacted more and you've shared those experiences together. Yeah, from that first meeting, I wouldn't have. Okay. But that friendship, however short-lived, whether we spend time together between now and next January or not, <laughs> you know, because I imagine she'll be want to be in the show again, um, you know, I, I would consider her a friend. I'd say, you know, this is very fine. my friend Maggie. But it's a different level, right, than my friend that I've known since I was three. I was just going to say, would I say me? this is my acquaintance, Maggie? Right. You probably wouldn't. You'd probably use the word friend. No, I don't think I would. I think I would just be like, oh, this is Maggie. This is Maggie, yeah. Interesting. Language. It matters. Words matter. All right, I'm done. I guess, I guess <laughs> we're done with this portion of the conversation, and go make some new friends. We or love don't. you. Goodbye. Make some acquaintances. Or, or Potential don't. friends. Pre-friends. Whatever works, whatever works for you. Acquaintances are pre-friends. <laughs> Bye-bye.